Thank you for joining Web Church today. I do believe that you're going to be blessed, you're going to be touched and encouraged by the message of grace that we're going to minister. You're going to enjoy the word of His unconditional love. You're going to enjoy the worship. You're going to just enjoy what God has got for you today. I do believe that the most powerful force in existence is God's unconditional love for you. In Web Church, we want to proclaim that unconditional love because it will bring you to the life you've always wanted from God. That life is a life of freedom, it's a life of joy, it's a life of peace, free to be like God, free to walk in joy, doesn't matter what, free to have prosperity in your heart, doesn't matter what is going on in your life. The truth of the gospel is what will set us free. And the truth is that God is not conscious of our sins all the time, but is conscious of Jesus concerning us. And as we get our consciousness into what He is conscious about, we experience true life and true joy. Amen. I would like us just to pray together as we go into the service. Father, I thank You that You bless every person that is watching online today. I thank You for Your unconditional love. I thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. I thank you that you love every person, that you give unto every man a heart of understanding, a heart of um, being humble to bow their knees before your message of grace so that you can impact us and lift us up to where we belong with you in glory, in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for every person that's got a broken heart that's listening today, that you've got compassion on them and that you love them and that you bless them in everything. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, thank you that you just speak through me and touch the lives of millions of people all over the world. Thank you, my God, that this session will be seen by people all over the world. It will be archived and seen by even more. I thank you that this is what you want to give people today. Your love. Amen. Amen. Well, the vision of Web Church is to see people established in the message of grace. The message of grace brings the character of God to people. Inside every one of us, there is a longing for God. And that longing can only be satisfied by Jesus and the work of the cross. If we don't focus on the cross, if we don't have our vision on what Jesus has done for us, we will have our vision on what we are going to do. For God. And that is just going to bring so much frustration, you will never be satisfied. You know, you will do the same thing over and over. And when I talk about the same thing, is you will go thinking that by your works you are justified before God, and by your works you can experience the life of God. If you think that, you will do it over and over, only in different ways, expecting different results. And you can't do the same thing twice, expecting different results. The result of death comes out of the ministration of death, which is, by what I do, I become. But the results of life comes by the King of life, the Lord of life, Jesus Christ, which is life, and what He's done for us. His wisdom is what keeps us alive. His wisdom is what saves us. Not our wisdom, but His wisdom, what He's done for us. And that's what Web Church is about, to see you established in every area of your life, in the message of grace. So that you can have your own relationship with God, that you can hear the voice of God for yourself, that you don't stand in um, need of 
people all the time to just say the right thing to you so that you can feel loved or blessed or that you have to think that there's somebody between you and God that you must first please so that you can be blessed so that God can put His stamp of approval on you. I've got good news for you. You are approved of God. You are valuable to God. I want to say it this way. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to minister this word of grace to you, to serve you today. Today I'm your servant. I'm serving you with what God has given me. I'm serving you with a gift God has given me. An understanding of grace, an ability to speak it and to share it with people. That's what I share with you. And I want to wash your feet today. I want to wash your feet. And by washing your feet means I want to cleanse you from the dirt that comes into the lives of people through their walk. You know, so many times we, when we wash somebody's feet, we think we just physically go and wash somebody's feet and it means something to them. To them. Yes, it can. But I do believe interpreted into this uh, uh, New Testament concept of washing feet, if you take the whole um, interpretation of what it really means, I believe it says that when we wash our feet, we take the Word and we cleanse ourselves from the dirt that comes into our lives through our walk. In other words, through what we try to do to please God. Through our walk righteousness or works righteousness, we can be cleansed from that by the Word. So thank you that you allow me to wash your feet today through ministering the Word of His unconditional love. For God loves you. You are valuable to God. doesn't matter what you've done in this week. Maybe you've done the most horrible thing that you can say, I'm the sinner. I'm just so full of sinner. God, how can you ever love me? For look what I've done. And I've even been in web church last Sunday and the Sunday before and I'm still doing things wrong. Now the vision is not to see how you can change. The vision is for you to hear the message of grace and to understand it. And the change is the fruit that comes into your life through understanding what God has done for you. Amen. So, um, I'm just so excited to minister this to you. You know, in the week I spoke to one of my friends and they are starting a church, uh, not they, they, there's a church that starts in their area and they want to go to that church and I asked them if it's a good news church, a grace-based church. So they said they don't know. So, I really trust that it will be a grace-based church, a church that's full of the life of God, full of what God has done for you and not what you must do for God. And, um, I mean, my friends want to fellowship in a church and, and they want to be part of, of something that God does. Uh, and I said to them, you know, if it's not a grace-based church, it doesn't matter what your desire is to fellowship with somebody, you're going to have the same hurt that you've received in the previous Lord Church you've been to. You cannot go to something that's exactly the same as the place that has hurt you and expect different results. The ministry of death will bring death. And if you go to a place where people are really based in the grace of God, founded in the unconditional love of God, uh, like Ephesians says, that we are grounded and rooted in the love of God. And that we can comprehend with all the saints how high, how wide, how deep and how long this love of Christ is. Um, If people are established in love like that, you can go there. You'll be blessed. You don't have to come to Web Church. The vision of Web Church is to be a church for people that doesn't have a grace-based church in their area. Or people just like this way of having church that you don't have to come to church on Sunday, but you can watch it in the archive on Tuesday. Or you can watch the rebroadcast on, um, at, at 5. So, if, you, if that is just comfortable for you, if you just like it that way, that's a place for you to be. Dynamic Web Church. 
Um, but if you don't have a grace-based church, I believe this is a wonderful alternative for a normal church in your local community where you can just experience the unconditional love of God. Amen. Now I want to read a scripture to you um, in Lamentations 3 verse 22. It says, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Why? Because His compassions fail not. They, speaking of the mercies and the compassions of the Lord, are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, isn't that a wonderful scripture to just open the service with? Know this, that it is of the Lord's mercy that people aren't consumed. Because all of us, we are sinners. You know, so many times we think that we do some good things. The Bible says in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, In my flesh there is nothing good. That means, in my ability to serve God. That's the word flesh there. In my human ability, human efforts to please God, there is nothing good. And so many people struggle with that. So many people think, you know, I do some good things as well. You know, I've got some bad parts. I've got some... Um, I've got sin in my life somewhere, but I've also got good things and I'm going to look at the good things I've done. Let me tell you, there's not one good thing that you can do in the sight of God in your own efforts. Not one. The only good thing ever done in the sight of God was Jesus' obedience on your behalf and His death and His resurrection. That's the only good thing. And if you're not in that, you're in nothing good. So I want to tell you this. Don't come to God today and every day of your life thinking that you've still got some good things know this that all your life everything in your life is good because you are in Christ don't think I've only got some good things and if you're not in Christ there's nothing good about you nothing it's for his great love that he has got mercy upon us because he's got compassion on us when we are in sin God is compassionate towards us so many times we think that we must justify ourselves all the time, you know, but I, I wasn't really wrong, I've done this or I've done that. Um, for, for certain reasons, you try to justify yourself. Let me tell you this. If you have done something wrong, don't think God is having a heart of judgment towards you. He's got a heart of compassion towards you, and that's what it says here. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because His compassions fails not. So God is merciful. He treats you better than you deserve for He has got compassion on you. Now this is talking about people that needs mercy. Mercy is treating you better than you deserve. So you've done stuff where you need somebody to be merciful upon you. It's because of God's mercy that this world is not consumed. Why? Because when they sin, there's compassion coming in His heart. And that never ends. For it says here in verse 23, they... What's the they? The mercies and the compassion. They are new every morning. And God being merciful and compassionate and it starts all over every morning is called His faithfulness. It says, Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful because He will faithfully be merciful to you and He will faithfully have compassion on you whenever you do something wrong. And isn't that awesome? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So, we're going to go into worship today because this is so powerful. We want to worship. We want to just have this worship flow out of our heart. I want to just say something about worship. Never think that worship is something you do to get the presence of God to manifest in your life. In worship, 
you start to think, meditate, ponder upon the words and the lyrics and what God has done through what you hear through that music. And as you think of that, you experience what God has done for you. That is it. But God's presence is always with you. He lives in you. He indwells you. Remember that always. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That is the love of God. Now, after the worship, we're going to go over right into the Word of God. And um, I'm going to speak on finances just for five minutes. And then we get right into God's Word. Enjoy the worship.
shall gather rock. His work is perfect. Yeah. He is the Alpha and the Finisher of our faith. It's of God that we. Thank you for joining in today's web church. It's such a privilege for me to just speak to you and just share the message of God's love with you. Wasn't that worship awesome? Well, you must excuse me. We forgot to put the lights on. Just put the lights on. (laughs) That's it. That's going to look much better. It's so hot here, we cannot afford to put the lights on for nothing. Yesterday we had about 43 degrees Celsius. It was just too much. And uh, so we have to wait 
That's why the light's not on. So, um, well, thank you that you've joined. The worship was just awesome. Just to think that we are in Christ Jesus. God loves us. God cares for us. And that's the whole perspective that we are supposed to have. To have a perspective from um, God is a God that lives in us and we are in Him. Today we're going to speak on change. How do we get it right to change? Now, before I speak on that, I need to bring the correct perspective about change. The first thing is that you need to know about change is that God's number one vision in your life is not to change you um, directly. God's vision is not to see that you change in this area of your life and that area and that area and then once you've changed, then He's happy with you. No, you have already changed. He has already changed you. He has changed the place where you come from. He's changed your identity. He's changed your name. He's changed your righteousness. He's changed your holiness. He's removed your sins. You have already changed. If you are in Christ, God has already changed you. And all that happens now is that we start to see the true perspective of who we are and believe that and then we'll find the changed man living in us and we will be clothed with the new man. We have died. We don't live anymore. We are clothed with a new man. We are clothed with righteousness and that's why righteousness manifests. So change is not God's vision for you. That is what happens to you because of the change that happened on the cross. The great exchange where He took your sins upon Him, where He he took my sins upon Him, where we can take His righteousness upon us. So, so many of us, we want to change. We want to see change in our lives. We want to see um, more love flowing out of us. We want to see the power of God in our lives. We want to see a change in our finances. We want to see change everywhere. And the only way we're going to see that true change is by what Jesus has done for us and by, by having God's perspective on our lives. Now, I'm not going to talk long about finances. All I want to say is the Bible says that God delights in the prosperity of His servants. So, God's delight is, or He delights when He sees you prosper. He delights when He sees that you can buy what you need to buy. He delights when He sees that um, the teaching of prosperity has been so into your heart, has been planted into your being to the point where you've got um, gratitude, where you've got um, contentment in your heart. And that's what God has got for you. So know this, God has given you contentment, God's given you gratitude, and God has already provided for you everything that you need in Jesus Christ. Now let's just read Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And... Verse, verse 19, it says, now this is an important scripture to understand, and so many times we've understood this in the wrong way, and I think I've mentioned this in the previous session, but I would like to read it again, and uh, you know, every time I read this, it just blesses me, to know that everything has been provided in Jesus, in what He's done. This is what it says, But my God shall supply all your needs, or meet all your needs, according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So the way God meets our needs is according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so many times this has been uh, taught as, uh, you know, God gave uh, this piece to people that was already giving to Paul, and that means it only applies to tithers and people who sow and reap. But that's not the truth, because it says here, clearly that my God shall meet all your needs according to His riches in glory. In other words, according to the wealth that He possesses in heaven through what He's done, 
and that is by Christ Jesus. So many times we can think, and um, if there's, if there was standing by what we do, or by our tithing, or by our giving, or by our generosity, then the whole sowing and reaping and tithing thing would have been the truth. But that's not what stands there. It says clearly that God will meet our needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So it's by Christ that our financial blessings are just given and where we can sit in a place where we can have rest in our minds and not by our work. So, so many people might think God has provided riches in heaven and that riches is released when we do something for God with our finances. That's not the truth. It is released because of Jesus and if we can believe it, it is ours. Hallelujah. That's why we don't have to have fear in our hearts. Amen. God is a God that meets our needs. God's a God that loves us. And God is a God that cares for us. And from that perspective, we can give. From that perspective, we can live. If you struggle to give, it's only because you're not under um, grace in your giving. You know, there's grace when it comes to receiving, and then there's grace to give as well. So, if you want to give in your heart, but you find fear when you do it, and you feel, even if someone doesn't pressure, put you under pressure to give, you just in your heart feel, I don't want to give because, you know, um, I'm scared because I'm not going to have and I don't like giving. All you need to do is study the word of grace, how much God loves you, how He has created you to be in His being. If you can understand uh, Ephesians 2.10 that says we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works and you understand how you've been made, you understand His unconditional provision for you, you will find that you'll start to give. It will just flow out of your being. It's like uh, the gifts of the Spirit. It's actually called the graces of the Spirit in Corinthians. It's the same thing. We get grace to give. As we've received the Holy Spirit to supernaturally speak in other tongue or to lay our hands upon the sick so they can be healed or to have a word of prophecy, it's a gift that comes upon us. It's a word grace there. That word gift, the gift of speaking in tongues or the gift of um, faith is called a grace. It's actually the word grace. So it's the grace of to have faith. The grace to speak in tongues. And then it says in Second Corinthians 8 verse 1 that the church in Macedonia had grace to give. So it is the Spirit of God that comes upon you and you supernaturally receive an ability to do what you couldn't do normally. by, And that happens by humbling yourself to what God has given you by simply listening to the message of grace to the point that persuasion comes into your heart. Amen. You know, so many times when it comes to the renewal of the mind, we think that it's our work. I must renew my mind. And that's not the truth. So many times we think that I've got to sit in the Scripture and I've got to study the Scripture and I must renew my mind. I want to tell you, just give you some good news. The renewal of the mind is something that happens to you as well. You might say, Bertie, but it seems to me it's just everything is just happening to you. Faith just happens to you. Uh, giving just happens to you. Uh, healing just happens to you. Yes, it's called the gospel of grace. It's, it's easy. It says, my burden is not burdensome. That's the way it is. God's yoke is soft. His burden is light. That's what it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. So when you come to Jesus, you can know for sure that his, the yoke that He will put upon you is soft. It's easy to carry. The Bible says the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. So many times, and I've listened to people preach that as the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are not burdensome. No, the Ten Commandments are very burdensome. It will produce sin in your life. 
It will point out, let me put, use this word, it will point out sin in your life. That's what it will do. It will bring you to a point where you say that I cannot be saved by my works and I need a Savior for I cannot do these things um, if it's commanded to me. If these things don't happen as a fruit in my life because of the root of the good news of Jesus Christ, you will just find so much uh, difficulty and frustration in your walk with God. So, when we get to the Word of God, know this, as you listen to the message of grace over and over, all that you can do is listen. I mean, how much effort does it take to listen? Just to listen. Uh, just let's, let's use this practically. If I drive uh, in my car just to put in a CD of some of the preacher's good news and just to listen, uh, just to make a point that when you uh, watch television, you watch somebody that preaches grace. When you listen to gospel music, you listen to gospel music that is grace music. You know, tells you about, like that last song you've listened to, just all about being in Christ and all of that. Good news. Now, if you've got that in your heart, man, what an, you will just find your, your mind being renewed automatically. So, let me tell you this, the renewal of the mind is not by your own efforts. The renewal of the mind is something that happens to you when you listen to the Word of God continually. I've said this in a previous um, broadcast and some of my messages in the archive, you can find this, I think, under faith or something like that. Um, I've said that when we look at gays today, you'll find movies with gays in about every movie has got a gay in it. So, uh, and, and in the beginning, the first time this happened, people were so upset, they say, how can they allow gays on television? It was this massive thing, but as they listened to it, and they've seen it over and over and over, they got conditioned, and their minds got renewed to that, and they've just accepted it. Now, it's the same with the Word of God. As you listen to God's grace, the message that says, it's not by my works, and I'm holy by what He's done. I'll manifest righteousness by what He's done. If, if I can do all of that, I will just find myself say, my God, you are good to me, I feel this flow of life in me. I feel this righteousness in me. I've listened to this over and over and I find I think like a righteous man. I think like a holy man. I believe that you are with me. I believe you are in me. My works is not the issue anymore. Sin is no issue. Your life flows through me. Your righteousness is in me. And man, it will just flow from your heart effortlessly. You must remember the only change that is lasting is effortless change. If change is not effortless, you can forget it. It's not going to last. I've seen people, when they're young, they serve God with everything. But when they get older, you'll find that they, they get grumpy, they get difficult, they get, because the change that there was in their life was because of effort, because of willpower. And when they become old and they don't have the strength to, and the strong will anymore, you find them just giving in to that sinful nature that's in them. I've got good news for you. God has already changed you. He's already changed your circumstances. He's changed your past. He's changed your future. He's changed your authority. He's changed the place where you are seated. He's changed your mind. For the Bible says we've received the mind of Christ, the anointed mind. That's what we've received. He's changed your wisdom from the wisdom of what must I do to be blessed to the wisdom that says by what He's done I am prosperous. And through His wisdom in knowing what, he's, what He had to do in order to make me righteous, I prosper and I am blessed. 
Well, that's what God has got for us. Amen. Now, we're going to get into the Word. Let's open the Bible in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read from verse 7. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Well, this scripture is so powerful because it's so flooded with the good news. What it says, it says, Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. So what John actually is saying is that the love of God and knowing what God has done for you in the cross is so powerful that it will give you love in your heart and will allow love to flow through your life. To the point that he actually speaks of love flowing out of a Christian um, as something that just comes naturally. And if you don't love, it's as if you are putting a halt on the love that is already in your heart. As if you are actually stopping what is natural to you. Now, let's read this and you will see it in the scripture. It says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. Now, he talks to the beloved. He talks to people that are already saved, people that are already in the love of God. He said, people that already know God. So he said, beloved, let us love one another. In other words, listen, this love is already in you. Let it now happen. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. If you read chapter 2, you will say, you, you will see, he says, you already know God. He says, you are born of God. Then he says, let us then love one another, for this is already welling up in us. Let, let, us, let it happen, because it's natural to you. And that's what he was actually saying there. Then he says here, he that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. So a person that doesn't have the ability to walk in love, doesn't know God. Now, how does this have any effect to change? Now, um, if you want to change in the area of love, the only way you can do it is by focusing on His love for you. And we've said it in uh, previous Sundays. It says here, Here in His love, uh, verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. So as you know that you live through Christ, that is, or let me put it this way, in the measure that you know you live in Him is the measure in which you will experience love. Hallelujah. You know how many Christians there are today that don't know how much God loves them. They don't know how much God cares for them. They don't know that they stand before God in Christ. That they don't live through their works. They don't live through how they change. But they, their life is in the change that happened upon the cross and in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so few Christians that know that today. If we can know that, we will find absolute life, absolute joy in our hearts and we'll find love flowing from our hearts. You'll just find that compassion. If somebody sins uh, towards you, you'll find compassion in your heart towards him and you'll find mercy. It's just the way it is. Uh, I've seen so many times when somebody really starts to walk in the love of God, he must actually, to a certain extent, force himself not to be abused by people. Because he is so gracious, because he is so full of love, because he will just forgive continually. Uh, and I've seen many people, when they are in the grace of God, that 
they will ask me, Bharti, but how do we handle this? How do we handle that? And I think in some Sundays to come, we will talk a little bit more about some practical things and how do you handle certain situations. But grace brings forth such a natural flow of love in your life. So the only way you're going to find the manifestation of the change that has already happened in Jesus is by you experiencing the love of God. The love of God is to know what is to be in Christ. Now, what keeps us away from knowing God? Now, why is it important to know God? This is what it says. It's beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. So you need to be born of God and you need to know God for who He is in order to have love in your life. Or I want to use another word there for love or change in your life. If you want to see the manifestation of, of, of the change of the cross in your life, you need to be born of God and you need to know God. Now, this word know God is very important if we go to First um, Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's read a verse from verse 20. It says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, uh, you must listen carefully to the wording of the scripture because there's a a powerful key in the scripture. It says here, now remember now, First John says that we need to be born of God and we need to know God in order to walk in love. So if you want to change, you want to walk like Jesus, what is the key in the scripture? It's clear. We need to be born of God. Uh, born of God, not, I'm, I'm not meaning born of your willpower. I'm not saying having a new life through the power that you have just placed through your will. I'm going to change. I'm going to bite my lip, but I'm going to go through this thing and I'm going to be a changed man. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people knowing the unconditional love, mercy and grace of God and what has happened upon the cross. Uh, that's what, what I'm talking about. So, um, you must be born of God and you need to know God. But now it says here that there are people that through the wisdom of this world didn't know God. Let me read it again. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, listen to this, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. The world, by wisdom, knew not God. And I see that is a problem in the church today. It's a problem in the lives of many people. and something that we can guard against in our lives. As Christians, I do believe there's a place we need, we, where we need to guard our hearts above all things. You need to guard your heart better than what you will guard your car or your house or your wife or children or anything. You know, I know people that, you know, they are so holy about their car. They're so holy about their motorbike, you know. Nobody's allowed to drive that thing except themselves. They don't trust anybody with it because it might just get a scratch. Can you believe it? It might just happen. And... <laughs> The funniest thing is, they will not guard their heart. They will not guard their heart. They will listen to a law message. They will go, go on to seminars and stuff where there's just law after law after law, rules and regulations. They will just go there. 
not guarding their hearts. Man, I tell you, we need to guard our hearts above all things. And this is the thing that I want to take out of verse 21. He says here that the world through wisdom didn't know God. So there's a way that seems right unto man. I'm talking about Christian way. I'm not talking about sin and lust and all that. I mean, it doesn't look right unto no one. Drinking yourself drunk doesn't look right to nobody. You know it's wrong, but you can't help yourself and you continue with it. Now, there's a way that looks right. You know, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to dedicate myself to study the Bible. You know, and because I do that, God's going to just bless me. I'm going to pay my tithes and I'm going to sow and name the seed and go to church faithfully and go to sell. Then God's going to bless me and I'm going to be a righteous man. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing those things. But if you want to do those things as a key to have blessing in your life, you're busy with the wisdom of this world and through that wisdom, people didn't know God. And so many times the hard thing that you try to do for God is the very thing that stops change in your life. Man, that is so, so powerful. It is profound. I just want to say it again. It is powerful. The very thing that you think you need to do in order to get God's stamp of approval over your life, that's the very thing that stops you from changing into the person you want to be. Hallelujah. That's what stops you from loving people. That's what stops you from giving out of a generous heart. That's what stops you from loving your wife the way you're supposed to love her. That's what stops you from being a good father. That's what stops you from walking in the righteousness that you have already received in Jesus Christ. So many Christians today, they get born again. They come to a place where they repent and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But after that, they get, man, a big dose of wisdom. Worldly wisdom. Now, worldly wisdom should never be seen as just the wisdom of the world out there. Now, the wisdom of the world out there and the wisdom of the Pharisees and the Sadducees were basically the same. The wisdom of the world out there says that by hard work you're going to become something and the wisdom of the Pharisees and the Sadducees was by the Ten Commandments and by working hard at those Ten Commandments we're going to see the righteousness of God in our lives and we will be seen as holy. That's the same wisdom. So, remember, by wisdom, what is wisdom? Let's read. It says, For the Jews require a sign, the Greek seeks after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them that are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So, what does he... Remember, it says here, clearly, that the Jews, to the Jews, it is a stumbling block. For they seek the sign from God and they have got a lot of worldly wisdom. The Greeks, they were into these philosophies. You know, what five steps must I do in order to be more prosperous? What five steps must I do to have more peace of mind? What three steps should I do to be a better father or to have more success in this world? What five steps should I do to be more stable and of, um, how can I say, great reputation in, in the town or city that I live in? What can I do to be seen as a good man or to be a good man? That was what the Greeks 
were looking after. And the Jews didn't look for that wisdom because they believed that they had the wisdom for it was uh, seen as the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments that's written in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. So, I mean, they thought they had all the wisdom that there is. Now, people through wisdom, through those things they need to do, didn't know God. And then the wisdom is called here. Let me read it again. Um, But unto them that are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So, Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the right thing that needed to be done in order for you to be righteous. My definition for wisdom is correct action upon truth. So, God's wisdom is Jesus. God's correct action upon who we were and to get us into righteousness was Jesus. The correct action to get us righteous was what God did in Jesus. And if we walk in that wisdom, we will know God. But the problem is, we say, well, we are saved and now we've got other wisdom that, want, that, that we say is there to bring righteousness and joy to our lives. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 20, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the basic principles of this world, that's the word rudiments there. Let me read it again. Wherefore, if you be dead from Christ from the basic rules of this world, why as though living in the world are you submitted to rules or ordinances? Verse 21, Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Now you see, that looks very wise. That's what verse 22 says. It says, Which things have, have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglect of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Man, that is now something. That's such a powerful scripture to use in this message. Let, let me just recap so that we can focus on what God has, God has told us. Number one, if we want to change, if we want to have love in our lives. Now, let me put it this way. We began to say, you want to see more of a manifestation of love in your life. So, you want to change from being somebody that only loves a little to somebody that sees a lot of love in his life. How are you going to change? By knowing God and by being born of God. Then we said... That there's, I mean, th- those two things you need to have in your life. You need to be born of God and you need to know God. There are many people that are born of God and they don't know God and they're judgmental, they're so critical, they'll never see any good in anybody, they only see sin and they think they're the only righteous person in, in this world. And if you corner somebody like that, I've seen it so many times, and you say, yes, but what, what about this thing in your life? Then he says, no, God's a God of mercy. Only applying mercy to himself, but never willing to apply mercy to others. We are so easy to say, when we've done something wrong, when you really have done something wrong, you say, have mercy on me. But when somebody else does something wrong, he hasn't even wronged you, you don't want to give him mercy. If somebody has sinned towards God, man, God's giving him mercy. Who are you not to give him mercy? So there's two things that we need to know. 
Number one, we need to be born of God and then we need to know God. Then we said that the world through wisdom did not know God. We've clarified what wisdom is. Wisdom is um, what we think we need to do in order to stand righteous before God. Wisdom, now, accept belief in Jesus. Okay? If you want to stand righteous before God with health, it's not in your confession. I spoke to a man yesterday from America and he's got sickness in his body or he had and uh, then, he, then I prayed for him and he said, Barty, now what from now? Must I now just confess right all the time? I said to him, Sir, right confession is not something you do in order to be saved. It's something you do, Now I'm talking about healing now, it's something you do because you have been saved. Because, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how can we confess right unless we have believed right? Let me say it again. How will you ever confess right unless you believed right? So the reason why I say, I am the healed of God, is because the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, that's my perspective. That's what God has given unto me. Hallelujah. So, I walk in that perspective. I talk in that perspective because I believe it in my heart. If you're still speaking wrong things all the time, it just says that you don't believe the right thing. So, how do you believe the right thing? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the good news of Jesus Christ. So, how are you going to change that? By listening more to what God has freely given unto you. Now, you might say, Bertie, but that's just a repetition of the previous 20 sessions I've watched on Web Church and of the 20 sessions I watched in the Word well. Well, bless God. If I change, switch it off. Go to some other place. That's what we need to say all the time. That's what you need to hear out of my mouth today. That's what you need to hear out of my mouth tomorrow and in 20 years from now. That's the answer to everything. The Bible says, Let your words be seasoned with salt, full of grace. Why? So that you might have an answer to the one who asks a question. The answer to everything is grace. What is grace? Jesus Christ was in heaven. He came to earth. He became a human being. He obeyed on your behalf. He died on your behalf. He was resurrected on your behalf. He is seated at the right hand of God on your behalf. And if we believe that, we experience all the benefits of being a son of God. Hallelujah. That's the answer to every problem. That's the answer to every marital problem. That's the answer to raising your children. That's the answer to your finances. That's the answer to the renewal of your mind. That's the answer to healing for your physical body and every area of your life. Hallelujah. We should never part from that. That's what God has given unto us. Now let's read again Colossians. It says here, Wherefore, if you be dead for Christ, Dead with Christ from the basic principles or the rules of this world. Why as through living in the world are you subject to ordinances like touch not, taste not or handle not? But I mean you can't get it more straightforward than that. It says wherefore if you be dead with Christ from the rules of this world. So when we died with Christ, we didn't just die for our sins. We died from the man that says... By what I do, I'm blessed. I've changed from that type of man. I'm not like that anymore. I'm a new person now. I'm in the righteousness of God. I'm blessed. Why? Because I have died 
to by what I do I become. And I'm alive to who He is and by what He's done I've become. That's what He says. Then He says, Why are you as if you are subject to the world or living in the world? Subject to ordinances. So, when Paul wrote to the people, uh, the, the Colossians, he didn't see somebody in the world when he sinned. He saw somebody in the world when he was under rules. Man, I need to say that again. Paul didn't see people as worldly people when they were maybe doing something wrong. He saw them as worldly people when they were under rules and regulations. Things like touch not, taste not, handle not. Verse 23 says, Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. I mean, there are so many rules today in churches. Things that looks very wise, but it's in will worship. You need to use your willpower in order to worship God through that thing. That's will worship. That's what it says. And humility. Oh, you know, I am so humble, I will never drink one sip of wine because, you know, that is sin. I'm not a sipping saint. Man, that sounds so humble, but it's so foolish. You are so in the world. Man, if you don't want to drink wine, just say, I don't want to drink wine for I don't like wine. End of it. Don't come with a supernatural thing of, you know, maybe you're somebody that hates wine. Now you make a rule for yourself that says, well, I'm better than somebody else and I'm righteous if I don't drink any wine. So now it's easy for you. You use a little bit of willpower. You never do that. And then you think you're better than somebody else. Man, that is foolish. That's worldly. It's so full of uh, self-love. It's so full of envy. It's so full of hatred. It's so full of self-centeredness. It's so full of just yourself. It is neglect of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's being worldly. That's what it is. Being in the world, according to what Paul says here, have indeed a show of wisdom. It looks very wise. It looks good. It looks right. It looks as if you're going to be blessed by that. By all these touch not, taste not, handle not, all those things is what keeps you away from knowing who God truly is. Hallelujah. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus. Thank you that God came to make things easy for us. Now I want to read here um, verse, verse 1. Chapter 1, a very important thing here, verse, from verse 9. It says, let's read from verse 8. It says that Christ shall confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ will confirm you, even until the end, that you will be blameless in the Lord, day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Now what does that faithfulness mean? We just touched on faithfulness in the beginning of, of Web Church today. Faithfulness is to, con- to be merciful and compassionate continuously. That's God's faithfulness. To be faithfully merciful and faithfully have compassion and to faithfully have new mercy and new compassion every day. That's God's faithfulness. And through His faithfulness, His mercy and His compassion and His grace, He will confirm you even until the day of the Lord. He's not going to become tired. Okay. Now verse 10. Now I beseech you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no division among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 
Now what he says here, and this is the unity of the church, is to be this minded, that Christ will confirm me unto the end through His mercy and His grace and by His faithfulness. And this message of grace that I preach today, that we will be that minded all the time and that we will have that mind in all of us. And then he goes on, verse 11, now listen to this. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Cleo, that there are contention among you. So they were differing, they were starting to fight. Now this I say, that every one of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now what he's saying here is, listen, he said, guys, this thing, we should not try to say, I'm a Paul supporter, I'm an Apollo supporter, I'm a Peter supporter. He says, for those people never died for you. So, these people got a mindset of, I'm actually connected to God through that preacher. So, he said, that's not the truth. Christ died for you. And you only have to have one mind, because if you've got one mind, and that's the mind of grace, there will be no contention amongst you. There will be no fights. It's impossible to have a church in unity without the message of grace. It's impossible. You cannot have it. You always find a church split. And the reason why the church splitted was because of people not walking in the message of grace. That's, the way, that's why. Because the doctrine that's preached, it's, it's not grace. If people come to web church, this web church cannot be split. Because the, this church is a church of grace. You'll have to go half law in order to have people say, no, we also have this law part. But this is what we stand for. We stand for grace. And if somebody is not into grace, he will never join. He will just leave. That's the way it's going to happen. This is a grace-based church. And this is what Paul says. Be of one mind. Be in the unity of the faith. You know, you can come together, and I've seen it so many times in, with, with, in church. We've got an agreement to agree even if we disagree. <laughs> What a lot of nonsense. How can you agree not to agree and that's our agreement? It's impossible. It says, be of the same mind. What's the same mind? To know Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. And to know everything about that crucifixion, about His death, about His resurrection and where He is seated today. Hallelujah. And I just want to touch on this as well. You will see that um, on the, the... 15 minutes before the service, I had an eye with a cross, a crucifix, with Jesus on the cross, a picture of that on the cross. And some people might be offended at that. And I can understand why you're offended and could be offended because we've been taught that Jesus Christ is not on the cross. He is, he's died and He is uh, resurrected. And we should not relate to Him like that. Now, when I think of, my, uh, of being healed, I think, and, and my sickness being taken away, from me. I'm thinking of the cross. And that's why we've put that picture here. God's mind about you and your sin is Jesus. But you'll find next Sunday or the Sunday after that I'll put a picture of an open tomb because we want to think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or we can put an empty cross. So please don't be offended for something that this man, you don't have to take offense for that. It's not needed because we are just, we want to remind people of the whole thing of Jesus Christ. 
you'll find pictures that we've got on, on web church where Jesus walked the earth dishing out bread, where He multiplied the bread and the fish. We'll have pictures of that. It doesn't help you say, well, you know, Jesus isn't multiplying bread today like that anymore. Why do you have a stupid picture like that? Man, just repent. Take that repentance. Have your heart cleansed from all the guilt that's in your heart because you judge uh, in that way and enjoy the message of grace because that's just there to remind people of what God has done for them. Amen. Now, the only way we're going to walk in wisdom is by Jesus and what He's done for us. The only way we can walk in unity in a church is having one mind. That's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now let's go to verse 17. Listen to this. He was just talking about division now. And people being baptized, saying, I'm of this one, I'm of that one, and, and all of that. And what happened there, there was wisdom of words coming with some of those preachers. And then Paul said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should made, be made of no effect. So wisdom of words, rules and regulations, makes the cross of Jesus of no effect in your life. Man, that is powerful. And that is, that wisdom of words was what brought disunity in the church and brought splits and arguments and fights. That's it. The reason why churches split so much these days is because so many preachers have got such a low self-worth that he cannot see somebody in his congregation starting a church in two blocks from him. Because he will feel, oh, you know, why, why is there a church now? Because I've got my church over here. But if the people in that block's not in your church, let's start a church there. Bless God. Hallelujah. Let's not be finicky about this thing. And a lot of time, people are scared because it touches their pocket. Because, you know, maybe three people go from my church to that church now because it's closer or they like the way that person preaches. But if we've got one thing in mind, and that is to see people in the message of grace, to the point that Paul, Paul wrote this. He said, even if they preach Christ out of fighting and wanting to bring more affliction to me in jail, and they preach Christ out there for selfish reasons. You know what Paul said? He didn't even say, tell them not to preach. He said, at least the gospel's being preached. Hallelujah. Because he had only one thing in mind. If people hear the good news, if they can hear the message of grace, if they can hear what God has done in Jesus, hallelujah, it doesn't matter who preaches it. It doesn't matter if there's a million churches. It doesn't matter. Let us just have this thing in mind, and that is that Jesus is the foundation of everything. And His work is our foundation, not our works. Man, isn't that powerful? Hallelujah. Verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with, touch not, handle not, not with that. Called wisdom of words. Why? Why didn't Paul come to preach, touch not, handle not? Do not go here. Do not go there. Uh, don't drink a glass of wine. You, you are allowed to drink a glass of wine. No, you know, you're not supposed to drink wine, uh, but a beer shandy can go through. You know, get on to all these absurd ways of thinking, you know. Um, like, uh, I, I, mean, I know a, a, a people that would say, man, you're not allowed to drink a glass of wine, but you can go 250 in your car. That's fine. Man, can you believe it? That's just touch not... And you know what happens? 
then the cross of Christ is made of no effect in your life. You live a joyless, righteousness, peaceless life in this world. That's what happens. Man, isn't God so, so good? Man, I think there's some more more beautiful stuff. Let's see what I can find here. Verse 2, chapter 2. Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything amongst you, save Christ and Him crucified. Save Christ and Him crucified. Now I want to just say this. We don't have to have this doctrine saying, you know, we have to only, we're not allowed to have an empty cross, only the crucifix with Jesus on the cross. That's also nonsense because he says here, I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Not being crucified. Crucified already, past tense. He was crucified already. That's what he's talking about. So, just to have that in mind, that He died for me. He made me righteous through His resurrection, through Him, in Him, the in Him gospel. And through knowing the gospel of being in Christ and living through Him, you will know God, you will experience God, and you'll be born of God, and you'll know God, and then you'll find a change manifesting in your life. And all of this is not steps. It's just a manifestation of hearing the grace message over and over. Hallelujah. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Yeah, Paul, he didn't come with, you know, if you want to prosper, you need a tithe, sow, name the seed, water the seed, then live in love and then just hope to God something happens. No, he didn't come with that type of thing. He didn't come with man's wisdom, but he came in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Now, that speaks to me. People became born again. It shows to me that He lived a changed life through the message of grace. So many times we think that's just signs and wonders and miracles. It's not just that. Paul said, the life I live now is not I who live it, but it's Christ in me. And that already is a demonstration of power. If you look at me, Betty Brit, today and you see me preaching here and you feel the anointing of God and you feel, man, what an awesome word, I want to tell you, this is not I who live. It is the living Christ, the living Jesus speaking through me right now. Using my vocal cords, using my body, using my mind, and He speaks through me. That's the power of God demonstrated powerfully. Hallelujah. Amen. And then we can also pray for the sick today and see other signs and wonders as well. Howbeit, we speak wisdom amongst them that are perfect. Now the wisdom that is spoken amongst them that are perfect are those who are in Christ. And what is that wisdom? That wisdom is what God has done for us. You know, people in the world, worldly people will never see, and I remember worldly in the sense of under rules and regulations, sees the message of grace as a message that's got no wisdom. How will that ever work? You tell somebody that he's free and forgiven and his sins have been paid for past, present and future and he's already the righteousness of God. He can't do anything to earn anything from God. Now you think you're going to get him to live holy? The first thing that people with a worldly mind says when they hear this message of grace is, man, this is a license to sin. Now, when God hears this, He says, the wisdom of God. When the angels hear this, He says, the answer to all the problems of humanity. But to somebody that is worldly, He says, this thing is so deadly, it will produce sin in people. God says, this thing is so holy, it will make people like me. Now, 
for those who are already in grace, when they hear this message, they say, oh, just say it again. Oh, hallelujah. Just say it again. I just want to hear it again. When I hear somebody preach the message of grace and says, your sins have been paid for. You're the righteousness of God. I, just, I rewind. But Bertie, I know that. I know that you know it and I know that I know it and I know that I've preached it a million times. But when I hear it, I just hear the wisdom of God. I hear God's plan for man. I hear that good news just flooding my heart and flooding you. Amen. The answer for every problem. The wisdom of God. It's wisdom to me. It says, Howbeit when we preach the simple message, it is wisdom amongst them that are perfect. It is the right thing to do in order to be righteous. Believe on Jesus. Amen. And that believe on Jesus is a gift from God. It cannot come from your own works. It's a fruit of hearing the message of grace. Amen. Yet not the wisdom of this world. In other words, when you preach the gospel, a wise gospel, it is wisdom. God's wisdom. Not the wisdom of touch not, handle not. Okay? Nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. So I want to tell you, if you are in this, this thing of by what you do, you become righteous. I've got a prophetic word from you written about 2,000 years ago. That it comes to nothing. The end of verse 6. Let's read verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, that comes to nothing. Oh, Hallelujah. Let me tell you, you can try as hard as what you want. It's going to come to nothing eventually. Even if it looks like something, by the day you die, when you open your eyes in heaven, you will find that it was a waste of time. That righteousness is not counted towards you, but the righteousness of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Now, I want to say this. I want to end off with this. When you stand in the message of God's grace, you will be persecuted for the word's sake. That's what it says in Mark chapter 8. The sower went to sow. And some seed fell on the road, some fell on stony places. Now, the seed that fell on stony places is those who received the word with gladness. But there was a stone deep in their hearts. Now, the law was written on stones. There's still a law mentality deep in. That is, receiving the grace on the basis of the law. Okay? It says, when persecution came for the word's sake, then they left the message of grace and fell back into the law, into the heart of stone. Okay? Let me say it again. The stony heart is a heart of do's and don'ts. It's a worldly heart. It's a heart that is law-based. The seed that falls on the stony ground comes up quickly. It looks right. It looks so good. It looks like wisdom because it's, it says it makes you righteous. The law is, there's a desire for righteousness. Jesus says, I'll make you righteous. It looks right, yes. You are happy. You heard good news to the point that you are happy. But then persecution comes. Now I want to tell you, you will be persecuted for the message of righteousness. And if you are not persecuted for the message of righteousness, let me put it this way. And I want you to understand, don't see this as a law. It's not a law. If you're not persecuted for righteousness, you will persecute others because of the message of righteousness they believe. It's just the way it is. Because you're either for it or you're against it. 
You cannot be in the middle. I found I, I know people that stand in the middle. When they are with me, then they want to persecute the man that are under the law. But when they are with a friend that's under the law, they'll persecute me. It's just the way it is. But I want to tell you this. Know for sure that if you preach this message of grace, that there will be people that will be against you. But all that you can do is manifest this love that's in your heart towards them. Walk in wisdom towards, that, to, towards them that are outside. Continue to speak grace. If you don't know what the answer is, man, type that question to us on, under info at dynamicministries.com and if we can answer it, we'll send you an answer in a day or two so that you can know what to do in the situation. Just applying grace to that situation. Hallelujah. Man, isn't that awesome? Now, we've come to the end of Web Church today. I'm going to pray for the sick. And after prayer for the sake, we're going to listen to one song as we get ready to go on to Skype. Now, if you want to be part of Skype today, uh, you can go to, I think it's Web Church, or is it now? Dynamic.webchurch. That is my um, address, uh, Skype address. You, all you do is you can just type that in or go to search on Skype. When you go to search on Skype, you type in there the Dynamic.webchurch. And then we'll find uh, the link there and you just click it and then we will um, activate, activate it for you and you'll be part of the discussion afterwards like a cell group. Now God wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bring righteousness towards you. He wants that healing life to flow through your body. You are the healed of God. You're the blessed of God. So when we pray for you today, I'm going to pray for the sick and then end it off in that prayer as well. Um, when we pray for you, I want you to receive the peace of God in your heart. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I come right now and I stretch forth my hands to everybody that's watching me right now. I say you are the healed of God. You are the blessed of God. Your sins have been forgiven. You've been made righteous. I bring you healing to your physical body right now on the basis of the Word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I declare everyone that's listening to me right now, you are healed in Jesus' mighty name. You are prosperous in Jesus' name. You're the blessed of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and Amen. Now, I want you to remember that we don't have a a discussion after the rebroadcast, which is the, the, the 17 hour slot, only after this live broadcast. So if you listen to the rebroadcast, there will unfortunately not be a cell group after that. I believe in future we will have that, but that will be announced. So thank you that you've joined me. Join Web Church again. God loves you and God bless you and stay in the righteousness of God.